You're listening to Slim Radio. Slim Radio Live. Let me go on. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Ah. <laughs> Bye, Felix. Uh, I'm very rusty. I forgot to pause the next song. There you go. Welcome back. Season three. My mom had a mullet. Back. Excited. Clearly rusty, but happy nonetheless. How's everybody doing? I am personally doing great. Uh, when I was meant to show up to the studio today, the ferry did not show up. That's why I'm a little bit late today. My apologies, but I am going to make up make it up to you with a wonderful show, wonderful playlist. Today, I'm comparing Violent Femmes and The Modern Lovers uh, because my take is that Violent Femmes is essentially a sexually frustrated modern lovers. But as you all know, learn... The Modern Lovers were also pretty sexually frustrated. Uh, Jonathan Richmond did not know how to speak to women. Uh, so he wrote songs about uh, seeing them in their dreams and being like, oh, dude, I I entered her dream last night. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like, okay, fucking like learn to have a conversation. Um, so that's today's show. I opened with the classic Blister in the Sun by Violent Femmes. Uh, their debut album, self-titled, the Modern Lovers debut album was also self-titled. Uh, so we're going to be talking about, you know, Violent Femmes in general, Modern Lovers in general, uh, general introduction to both of them, just listening to their music and then talking about why they are essentially distant cousins. So now that you have uh, a, a refresher to uh, Violent Femmes. You definitely knew this song. You most probably knew the song and just didn't know that it was by Violent Femmes. And the case is probably the same with the next one. If you've ever seen School of Rock, which, by the way, if you haven't, you really should. It's the best movie in the world. Uh, but if you have seen it, then you know this next song. This is Roadrunner by The Modern Lovers. Enjoy. One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm in love with rock and roll, and I'll be out on 
Roadrunner. Roadrunner by the Modern Lovers. Did everybody like that? I definitely did. So now we have a general introduction into both of them, Violent Femmes, Modern Lovers. Let's let's discuss. Let the big brain shit get started. It's season three. I'm excited. So Violent Femmes, 1983 was their debut album. They were from, let me check, Wisconsin. I'm very bad, very bad at remembering any type of like geography related shit uh, for the US. Like one of my very close friends is from Chicago and I like still can't, like I don't know where that is on a map. Like, sorry, Erica. I just, it, the US just, it doesn't exist in my brain. Um, but yeah, so Violent Femmes were from Wisconsin. Uh, in the early 80s, they were really kind of huge in the punk scene. They were called the poster child for college radio. Uh, they didn't really have a lot of commercial airplay in the 80s, so a lot of what they accomplished was through word of mouth and, uh, like, yeah, college radio. Their debut album, which is one of my favorite albums of all time, I was waiting to disclose that uh, at the end of today's show, but I got too excited. Fuck it. It's one of my favorite albums of all time, and it turned 40 this year. It's 40 years old. That's an adult with children. Um, their album is an, Their album has children, and their children... Who were their children? I don't even know. Who, hey, who did Violent Femmes influence? Well, they were like folk punk, I guess is what you could call their music. Um, But I'm not sure. I feel like their fan base and their listeners and everything just keep, like the reason that they're still a band today um, is because their music is really relatable. They talk about just like essentially... Anything that you might have experienced, for, they also started this band in high school, so it's really anything that you've experienced, like, as an angsty teen, they are also very, their music is very angsty, you know, uh, as I said, sexually frustrated modern lovers, their music is very angsty, but there's also a lot of, like, humor in their angst, uh, which I think, I don't know, it makes me laugh, if nothing else, in the vocal delivery, like, Gordon Gano, the vocalist, is just, like, moaning in like a really just like ugly way that just makes me it makes me kind of chuckle should we listen to yeah i want to listen to another one by them uh let's listen to kiss off and even just in the opening lines of this song you will understand why they're so angsty here's kiss off by violent femmes someone a person to talk to someone who care to love could it be you could it be you Situation gets rough, then I start to panic. It's not enough. It's just the habit, a kid. You're sick. Well, darling, this is it. You can all just kiss off into the air. Behind my back, I can see them stare. They'll hurt me bad, but I won't mind. They'll hurt me bad. They do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. They do it all the time. They do it all the time. They do it all the time. I hope you know that this will go down on your permanent record. Oh yeah? Well don't get so distressed. Did I happen to mention that I'm impressed?
cause you left me And two, two, two for my family And three, three, three for my heartache And four, four, four for my headaches And five, five, five for my lonely And six, six, six for my sorrow And seven, seven for no, no, no tomorrow And eight, eight, I forget what eight was for But nine, nine, nine for lost God Ten, ten, ten Kiss off into the air Behind my back I can see them stare They'll hurt me bad But I won't mind They'll hurt me bad They do it all the time Yeah, yeah Yeah, they do it all the time That was Kiss Off by Violent Femmes. Uh, surely now you understand the angst that I was talking about. I personally love that song. I think it's really funny. Um, it's it's just like the epitome of ca- a caricature of teenage angst. It's like just really blowing everything out of proportion when you're like 17 and you're like, I wish I was dead, you know? And then like six months passes and you're like, oh. Uh, never mind, <laughs> you know, uh, which you can also see in a lot of the interviews that you see with the band today. They, especially Gordon Gano, just looks like the quintessential dad, like cargo shorts, a, a T-shirt and like the the those those one those one the one pair of glasses that like every dad has. You know what I mean? Uh, a little bit of a beer belly. Uh, he just he just looks like a dad. He looks like the most normal dude. And they're all like so chill, you know, so I don't know. I think they were quite funny also in uh performing like Gordon Gano would always wear a robe on stage to perform just like a like a bathrobe uh I don't know exactly why I couldn't really find why um but he just did so it was very much like I'm I'm like just gonna do this because it's gonna be so different it's gonna be so quirky you know um, if the an actual reason for that artistic choice, I'm sorry, Gordon, he's definitely listening. Um, but I don't think there was, I think it was just him. He probably thought it was going to be funny or something. And in the eighties, every like TV presenter would be like, uh, why did you make this wardrobe, wardrobe choice? Like, fuck, I don't know. Why not? You know, um, Violent Femmes were discovered by a member of the band The Pretenders when they were playing in the street in front of a gig by The Pretenders and Chris of The Pretenders <laughs> offered them to play with The Pretenders. Take a shot every time I say The Pretenders. Um, yeah, they offered them to play with them that night as an opening act for them and it went horribly. Everybody fucking hated them. They got obscenely booed. They played... Uh, three songs blister in the sun kiss off and girl trouble and kind of nothing really happened after that everybody everybody fucking booed everybody hated it it was about 300 people and yeah people fucking hated them so it went really well and it wasn't really like it wasn't really a discovery like it was but it wasn't especially because nothing happened after that so uh the bla- the bass player brian ritchie described it as it's like when the vikings came to north america and they looked at it and then they were sailed off like <laughs> people were like okay we've seen this but we don't give a fuck and then they only really entered the billboard charts or they only entered the billboard charts at all uh almost 10 years after the release of the album now as we know as we've studied in season one um 
Billboard charts are fucking weird. Nobody really knows how they work. And I'm not a very big fan of the fact that they only include U.S. streams. Like, on the one hand, it makes sense. But on the other hand, it's gotten so big that, like, I feel like if you're, like, top 100 songs ever, it should, like, because they have a global Hot 100 uh, category, but that doesn't include the U.S. But is the U.S. not in the globe, I guess? As we established a couple minutes ago, in my brain, no. But my brain is not reality, you know? My brain is not a very reliable source for what is reality. Uh, So surely global implies also U.S. But then they just have the Billboard Hot 100 and everything else that doesn't say global is U.S. only. So that, like, annoys me a little bit, especially considering the impact that fucking Billboard has. Like, it's Billboard, you know? Anyway, that's why the Billboard charts are somewhat bullshit, but also not really... Um, but that's, you know, hey, you know what? If you want to learn more (laughs) about the Billboard charts, uh, go listen to my show about it. Um, and okay, here you go. A plug. I have expanded the My Mom Had a Mullet brand into a whole other form, another medium written. I am writing. I know how to write. I am gladly i am literate uh i have university degrees um so i was like you know what why not put that to good use and i have made the official my mom had a mullet online magazine you can find the link to that on my instagram at my mom's mullet and it's essentially just an extension of the show any kind of brain dump or idea that i have that Maybe I don't address on the show or maybe I do, but I want to make it sound more eloquent and smart. And hey, believe it or not, speaking and writing, different experiences. And I personally love both. Um, I love to speak and I love to write. Uh, So it's really fun. I built it with Tebow, who is not listening now because he is at office drinks because he has an office job. But he's been on the show uh, twice, actually. And yeah, we made it together. I personally think it's really cool. I'm very proud of it. Go check it out. Yeah, you can find the link on my Instagram bio at my mom's mullet. It'll be there. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be posting just random shit. So maybe I'll actually write another. Maybe I'll write an article about the billboard charts. I've written an article about Meg White. I've written an article about punk, about Spotify wrapped, about uh, Rick Rubin. Loads of shit. There's so much fun stuff there. And I'm going to be uploading an article every week, every Friday. So go check that out. And while you head over to my Instagram at my mom's mullet to read all the articles, why not have some uh, background music of another Violent Femmes classic that you probably also know um that i've been also playing on a loop the past couple days this album has had a revival in my life it is called add it up by violent femmes here you go Kiss, maybe some things I wouldn't miss. 
dancing I need a kiss Why can't I get just one screw? Why can't I get just one screw? Believe me, I know what to do But something won't let me make love to you For just one day after day, I get angry and I will say that the day is in my sight when I take a bow and say goodnight. Oh, my mama, mama, oh, my mom, have you kept your eye, your eye on your son? Know you've had problems, you're not the only one When your sugar left, you left you on the run So mow my mama, mama, mow my mom Take a look now, look what your boy has done He's walking around like he's number one He went downtown and he got all my guns Don't shoot, shoot, shoot that thing at me Don't shoot, shoot, shoot that thing at me You know you got my sympathy But don't shoot, shoot, shoot that thing at me Don't shoot, shoot, shoot that thing at me Don't shoot, shoot, shoot that thing at me You know you got my sympathy But don't shoot, shoot, shoot that Share a smoke, make a joke Grasp and reach for a leg of hope Words to memorize, words hypnotize Words make my mouth exercise Words all fail the magic prize Nothing I can say when I'm in your thighs But more my, 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 my mother I would love to love you, lover City's restless, it's ready to pounce Go in your bedroom, ounce for ounce and more go that was added up by violent femmes did you have fun i had fun uh i fucking love that song it's amazing it's so funny i like the part where he says uh share a smoke make a joke grasp and reach for a leg of hope uh 
I also know every word to that song. Uh, partially because I memorize song lyrics extremely fast, and they're once once they're in my brain, they're in there forever. Uh, but also partially because I just I listen to that song a lot, especially in 2020. I was listening to this album a lot because uh, 2020. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but like some things happened, and it was not like the best year of everybody's lives. I think so. I was I was really listening to a lot of Violent Femmes, a lot of Radiohead, a lot of Fiona Apple. So you know, uh, we were all person. I think we were all like really just happy and like not stressed at all that year. Um, <laughs> Violent Femmes, as I was saying, uh, well, before I started plugging my website, which you can find on my Instagram, at my mom's mullet, the link is in my bio, link in bio, um, <laughs> they, as I said, they didn't really have any uh, radio airplay, especially outside of college radio, um, they became known really just through word of mouth, they would play folk clubs and jazz clubs, so they weren't really considered, like, rock uh, by the public, especially at the start, which... Like now it's also, this is partially why I liked it because there's something about the violent, about violent funds when I listen to it that like, I can't quite explain what it is. Like there's something about it. The best way I can describe it is it sounds like they were in a pub and then there was like a really fucking old guitar on the wall and shit. And then they just grabbed it, started playing. And it reminds me of one when I was in a pub um, and there was this guy who grabbed a guitar off the wall and started playing it. And then he started playing it with his uh, beer, like pint glass um, sliding on the neck of the guitar, using it as uh, this one thing that I don't exactly know the term for because even though I like to pretend that I know how to play guitar, I don't actually know any of the termino terminology. I've never had a lesson, so I don't really know like the names of chords or anything. I'm just like, okay, an F, this looks like this. And then... But if some like I, like I don't know I've never had a lesson you know um, but that's what it sounds like to me, which I think it's partially like it also weirdly it just sounds like they're playing on really old instruments and I think a lot of that is also because they don't have a bass drum for example and their bass I especially don't know much about bass <laughs> but it just is so much more prominent than a lot of other bands where I feel like the bass is somewhat. This okay, this is gonna be controversial to say, but I feel like a lot of the time the bass sounds somewhat disposable. Like you can't really hear it. Whereas here they were like, You're you're you can hear the bass always, you know? Um and I don't really know how they did that in terms of I don't know if it's like mixing thing or just hey, maybe <laughs> maybe Brian Ritchie's a better bass player. Oh, oh, hot take. Could it be? Could it be? Yes. Season three. I'm not I'm not fucking holding back, you guys. Um, <laughs> Brian Ritchie is the best pl bass player of all time there. I said it. You heard it here. Um, and he had a wonderful, wonderful mullet when they were uh, when they were playing live in the 80s. Like his mullet was like that. Was, it was crazy. It was like flipping around when he was like, you know playing <laughs> performing he was he was moving his head so much and the mullet would just be like flip, flip, you know uh i wish you could see my hand gestures right now because i can't like words cannot capture the majesty of this mullet it was the same as when i went to mulligans because i'm fucking always at mulligans uh and one of the bartenders there also had a sick mullet and i was like sir good job and he's like thank you or i don't know where he where he was from i think he was from australia but i can't say thank you in an australian accent um anyway brian ritchie best play best bass player of all time and um 
a wonderful mullet. I still have to legally prefer my mother's mullet because uh, contractually I have to, and she's going to be in my house tomorrow, so I kind of need to be nice to her so that she's also nice to me. Um, so, yeah, Brian Ritchie's second best mullet in the world. What else is there to say other than... It sounds like their music is played randomly in a pub. Uh, they don't have a bass drum, which is also why a lot of labels didn't want to sign them. And then, so that's what made Blister in the Sun, which was the opening track for today's show. It made it a kind of a standard before it was a hit because especially when they got signed to a label, the record company didn't want to put it out as a single because it didn't have a bass drum, which that type of shit pisses me off so much because I understand sticking to something that has been proven to be successful. But at the same time, it's like fucking take a chance. Okay, now I have ABBA stuck in my head. I'm sorry. But like experiment with something. That's always that's always how it fucking works. People have an idea that's like out of the box or however you want to explain it. And labels are like, oh, no, it doesn't work because it's not going to sell. Oh, la, la. And then somebody else tries it. And then it's fucking incredible and amazing. And like, why, like people need to do that more. Just be like, this is why I like Rick Rubin. Okay, because he just, his... I also really want to buy his book. If anybody's thinking of a birthday present for me, uh, Rick Rubin's book, <laughs> The Creative Act, A Way of Being. Uh, I am also like doing research to find where it would be the cheapest to buy because it's not a very cheap book. Um, so if anybody's wondering, watch me get now like five <laughs> copies of the book because everybody's going to get it. If not the book, plants. Anyway, I'm saying this because my birthday is in exactly two weeks. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, I like Rick Rubin's approach because he prioritizes how the music makes you feel which sounds like annoyingly cheesy but at the end of the day that's really what it comes down to that's what contributes to the longevity of a song because you have this emotional connection to it it's this timelessness that a lot of the time you can't really get with a purely business-minded uh brain <laughs> um obviously the business also helps in terms of like literally selling it because if you only really like it and then don't put in any effort to like get it out there nothing's gonna fucking happen but i think you just shouldn't refrain from like you shouldn't refrain from trying to release something that makes you feel good because you're like oh well this is uncommon so it's not gonna sell like fucking what if it does you know you know Anyway, I'm going to start a record label and only sign and release random, like, fucking weird music. If anybody wants to make music, contact me. Uh, I'm starting. My mom had a mullet, the record label. That would actually be, holy shit, that would be so much fun. Could that be my dream job? Potentially. Uh, I'm going to make it happen. While I plan my takeover of the entire music industry and um, all music that is not signed to my label just... It, it ceases to exist because literally everybody's going to be signed to my label and everybody's going to have so much fun because I'm it, it's it's going to be so much fun. I want to listen to more Violent Femmes or no, you know what? Let's uh, let's shift to the Modern Lovers um, and then yeah, I'll first play and then talk a little bit about it. here is Astral Plane by the Modern Lovers. I'm all alone in my room. Enjoy. I'll go insane if you won't. Sleep with me, I'll still be with you. I'm gonna meet you on the ice cream. for dark at night. The ice cream, or I'll go insane. 
That was Astral Plane by The Modern Lovers. Uh, about 40 seconds ago, I got an email that I got rejected for another job. Yay! I'm so good. So happy about that. Um, so let's actually celebrate by listening to Country Death Song by Violent Fence. Here you go. Enjoy.
Exactly. Exactly. That was Country Death Song by Violent Femmes. That was a little bit cheating because it's from their second album and not their first one. Uh, but it's too good. And I even that out with a song by the Modern Lovers that's also not from their debut album. But here, hey, you want to learn something about the Modern Lovers uh, that maybe you actually already know? They broke up before their debut album was released. <laughs> um so their debut album was released in 1976. They broke up in 1974. Why? All right. So time to learn about the Modern Lovers. Um, they existed from 1970 to 1974. Um, they were massive Velvet Underground fans and Jonathan Richmond. Oh, okay. Also, I'm about to <laughs> quote a source that I used in one of my articles. So I'm going to quote my article quoting another source, you know, and um this is described by Spin Magazine in an article from 1978, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jonathan Richmond didn't have a standard voice. He just wanted to show the world that anyone could do it. All he had to have was feeling, which I think connects back to what I was saying about the Violent Femmes before in terms of it's not, uh, they're not technically very good, especially, well, they are, but especially in the singing, it's all, they're off key. They're not necessarily great. You know, they don't do what like a fucking vocal coach would tell you to do. But that's also part of the appeal to me that it sounds a little bit bad, you know, but it sounds great. Um, but so why did they break up before their first album was released? Well, well, uh, the original band consisted of Jonathan Richmond, David Robinson on the drums, who later joined the Cars, keyboardist Jerry Harrison, who later joined Talking Heads, and Ernie Brooks, who joined another band that uh, I have never heard of. Sorry. Um, so, you know, he's 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 fine. He's doing well. But basically, they all, especially Jonathan Richmond, loved the Velvet Underground. So he dropped out of high school at 16. At 18, he moved to New York, became uh, uh the Velvet Underground's acquaintance and opened them, opened for them uh, once. <laughs> so that also reminded me of Violent Femmes opening for the Pretenders. Uh, he lived on the couch of the producer of the Violent Femmes for, or what? The Velvet Underground. Sorry, mistake. The Velvet Underground um, for a while. And they were produced by John Cale of the Velvet Underground uh, in 1972. Now, in these studio sessions with John Cale of the Velvet Underground in 1972, Jonathan Richmond was already 
he kind of wanted to go in a different artistic direction because he was also kind of being influenced by musicians from California who had this much more laid back approach. Whereas John Cale wanted Jonathan Richmond to be more aggressive and angry, which sometimes you can hear in their music um, because, yeah, he wanted to show that like angst, basically. Um, but Jonathan Richmond was kind of like, mm, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I'm not that bitter, I guess. I just want to like, I just want to chill, you know? Um, so basically after the album was released, after they broke up essentially as a compilation album of just like random studio sessions, but not really like it is an album. Um, so Jonathan Richmond used, uh, several backing bands but all under the name Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. So when you go on Spotify and you look up the Modern Lovers, that's the original lineup, basically, the original band between 1970 and 1974. But when you go on Spotify and you see Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, that's just Jonathan Richmond and a bunch of people <laughs> um, changing from album to album. That's why, I guess... Richmond himself is what most people like listen to if that makes any sense because any other work that you listen to with the modern lover's name the only consistent consistently present person is Jonathan Richmond so fun little fact they broke up before their debut album came out um and that's why but they did greatly inf influence punk uh Sex Pistols who as as you all know I I don't like them, uh, to say the least. Uh, but they and Joan Jett covered Roadrunner, not together, like on separate occasions. Uh, John Cale, the producer, Iggy Pop and David Bowie all covered Pablo Picasso, which I'll play next because that song is really good. And this I was surprised to find out, Echo and the Bunnymen covered She Cracked, which that I am intrigued by because... I can't imagine Echo and the Bunnymen covering that song. So maybe I'll play that today as well. But I am having, as usual, trouble with the Wi-Fi. Uh, it is a new studio as well. We're in a new studio today, guys. Bam! Exactly. Um, uh, it's very nice here. I really like it. There's a couch. Very fun. Uh, but while I chill in this new studio with no Wi-Fi, let's listen to Pablo Picasso because that song, it's quite funny. And it's by Modern Lovers, and it's been covered by David Bowie, Iggy Pop, and John Cale. So here you go. Here's Pablo Picasso by The Modern Lovers. I hope you enjoyed this absolute treasure of a track. Never called an asshole 
those that were called I wonder if it's true that Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole, but I think it might be. And I wonder why, um, you know, the modern lovers, they were really, they were speaking the truth that we were scared to speak. And Hey, you know what? What if I just, what if I just think that Pablo Picasso was an asshole? Oh my God. One time, many, many years ago when, uh, when I was still in school, not even uni, um, my friend uh we were we were talking about uh painters and then she was like she was like oh my god i really really like that italian painter what's his name mussolini and i was like there's no fucking way there's no way that's so fucking funny anyway um pablo picasso was never called an asshole i that song i love that song it's a classic i've played it on the show before a long time ago back back in season one uh, it was really fun. I think let me, it was, holy shit. I'm pretty sure it was exactly a year ago because, or around a year ago, because I remember I was taking a train to Berlin. Um, and I think that was in like March. Uh, so there you go. About a year ago, I played that song on the radio in case you were wondering the modern lovers. Again, we learned what, that they were produced by John Cale, Violent Femmes in 1972. They broke up before their debut album was released. And for some reason, Echo and the Bunnymen have covered them, which again, weird weird john cale wanted angst in the music but jonathan richmond was as i said uh, being influenced by the laid-back approach of musicians in california so he essentially wanted to go in that direction and not be angry which is why i think that i mean that definitely influenced even though he ended up kind of losing that battle um not <laughs> i i just i can't help but compare them to vi to violent femmes so that's definitely also why they're less angsty well i think first of all just as people they're less angsty you know um but it's just that it's jonathan richmond he spin magazine described him as a wholesome lou reed so he just wanted to like make songs about he also made a song about van gogh van Gogh for the Dutch people. Um, and you know, he made a song about Pablo Picasso not being called an asshole. He made less songs than Violent Femmes about, you know, hating his life. Uh, but sometimes you you kind of need that. Um, for example, uh, an excerpt in Spin Magazine talking about the modern lovers, they said, they were a new wave band before punk was a musical term. While everyone else back then was going to extremes to be outrageous, the modern lovers bent over backwards to be normal. While everybody else was into glitter, makeup, and platform shoes, the modern lovers wore t-shirts so you could see from their arms the kind of work they did, short hair so you could see their faces, and sneakers. They were just as tall as they appeared. So it's like, they... Their their whole appeal is that they're just fucking normal, especially in, you know, the early to mid-70s when punk was really, really blowing up, not starting off. If anybody tells you that punk started in 1971 in um, England or like mid-70s in England, that's a lie. It started in the late 60s in Detroit. Um, 
So if you want to sound super snobby, just that's, you know, the truth. Um, <laughs> I also remember once, quick little side note, we were fucking around with chat GPT because boredom. And so we asked him to explain you know, how did punk start? And he said, yeah, it started in 1971 in England. And I was like, wrong. And then I corrected him and he was like, oh yeah, true. It's, I'm, I'm wrong. It actually started in 1968 in Detroit, which, so I'm basically smarter than chat GPT is my point. I'm more reliable. I'm <laughs> losing track of my thoughts so much today. Um, I'm, I'm a fucking, I'm a mess. Should we listen then while I get my thoughts in order? Let's listen to another song by not the Modern Lovers, but now Jonathan Richman and the Modern Lovers uh, called New England, which I personally think the song is very funny because it's just about loving Boston and New England and Maine. Um, so here you go. Here's See, New I England. I from Boston. I'm going to tell you all about how I love New England. It's my favorite place. You know, I've been all around the world. But I love New England best. I might be prejudiced, but it's true. I love New England best. Well, now, give me the maestro. That's pretty good. Give me another one, though, without him. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I've already been to Paris, already been to Rome. And what did I do but miss my home? Oh, New England. I have been out west to California. But I miss the land where I was born. I can't help it. Dum de dum de dum 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 day. Oh, New England. Dum de dum de dum 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 day. Arid plain. It's magnificent, but so's Maine. I'm talking dum de dum de dum 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 day. Oh, New England, dum de dum de dum 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 day. Oh, New England, right on. Oh, one more time of this way. Dum de dum de dum dum day. Oh, New England. Dum de dum de dum 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 day. Oh, New England. Go. Dum de dum de dum 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 day. Oh, I love New England. Dum de dum de dum 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 day. Oh, New England. Did that give you newfound appreciation for New England? Um, for me, it. Uh, didn't. I have newfound appreciation for Jonathan Richmond, or I did when I uh, first heard that song. I think that song is so cute. It's just, it's fun. So that's, you can get a better sense now of where Jonathan Richmond wanted to go, you know, musically. And uh, it's the same with, I bought one of their records. I think it was, I sold it now, like last year. Um, so I forget 
the exact name, but I think it was just called Rock and Roll with the Modern Lovers. And they also had a song that was just <laughs> like them talking about a roller coaster. And it even included Jonathan Richmond going, woo, which like, <laughs> that's so fun. Um, just, you know, so silly, goofy. Um, so that's kind of where he wanted to go. Whereas John Cale was like, I want you to hate your life. And he was like, no, dude, I don't hate my life, actually. Um, but you can kind of hear that a little bit in uh, in the first album. Uh, as I said before, you know, Jonathan Richmond was really not very good at talking to women. So a lot of the songs that he wrote uh, referring to girls in their debut self-titled album was about the same the same girl because he, he just you know he had he caught he caught feelings uh so for example this okay this next song is not necessarily directly about her but it's about him talking about how much he wants a girlfriend um and it's kind of this made me think of uh give me the car by violent femmes which maybe i can play later it's a bonus track in their debut album and it's essentially gordon gano talking to his dad saying come on, dad, give me the car. I want to take this girl on a date and, uh, you know, have fun. Let's just say that, you know, whereas in Someone I Care About by The Modern Lovers, Jonathan Richmond says he doesn't want just a girl to fool around with. He wants someone he cares about, which it's kind of like sexual frustration <laughs> expressed in different ways um so you know they're distant cousins they have the same issues but they express it in different ways so should we listen to that here's someone i care about by the modern lovers
So Jonathan Richmond wants a girlfriend. Um, I I really like that song. I think it's quite fun. And uh, I feel like it's really, this is another example of those things of when you're so young, because I'm so old and wise, uh, especially because my birthday is in exactly two weeks. I, I have a show on my birthday. Maybe I'll do a, a special birthday edition all about me because I don't talk about myself enough on this show <laughs> ever. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I lost my train of thought now. My brain is going a million. It's thinking a million thoughts at the same time today. Uh, yes. Okay. So I feel like a lot of the similarities between the modern lovers and violent femmes is about not necessarily even taking like situations or or relationships because they didn't have any relationships to sing about uh they, it's they take this like feeling this angst that you have when you're so young uh and they just like really flesh out the feeling not not a situation not a person well jonathan richmond kind of uh and and they just flesh it out and it, it, they say it in a really like down-to-earth way because you know, that because of their stream of consciousness and the lyrics, they're kind of like quirky, <laughs> off-key vocals. They're not necessarily vocally trained. You know, we saw before in the quote as well about how Jonathan Richmond didn't, he didn't really have any, any training. Uh, he didn't have a standard voice. He just had the feeling. And I feel like that's the case for both of them. Uh, and I feel like also humor is quite, intrinsic in both of them uh you know you saw the for example the counting and kiss off he's like i take one for my headache two for my heartache three for my lonely four for my sorrow i forget exactly what it is but then anyway he forgets what eight is so it's this this build-up of this absolute like fucking breakdown and freak out and in the middle of it he's like oh i forget what it was for but I don't, I don't care you know it's it's stupid really um and i feel like there was this uh, term used by Rolling Stone to describe the modern lovers, but I think it applies to Violent Femmes as well. They describe their songs as kind of hypnotic freakouts, which I think makes sense because of this stream of consciousness lyricism. And especially in Modern Lovers, the more kind of repetitive chords, the simplicity, which also led to influence punk, which I'll talk a little bit more about. But it was just, you know, really broken down, repetitive, simple, which is what punk is um you know it, it it's essentially freak they're freaking out <laughs> throughout the song uh but in the middle of that they you know use humor as a coping mechanism because don't don't we all you know and it works because they're fucking funny and i hey if not if this next song is not angsty enough for violent femmes then Maybe maybe you're more angsty than Gordon Gano and Brian Ritchie and Victor DiLorenzo, which I think that's that's hard to do. Even though, to be fair, even watching interviews with them earlier on 
uh, in their career, like 1987 or so, in the interviews, they kind of also seemed like they were just kind of fucking around. So maybe they were the type to only write music when they were in a bad mood. But at the same time, Gordon Gano was saying that, you know, when he was in school, they didn't really have any friends. <laughs> they were the classic. I feel like if it was to be an 80s movie and they would be those characters, like the very stereotypical, like loners, no friends, a bit a bit angry at everything, uh, which also fun fact, the way that they uh, started was they. So basically Gordon Gano and I think also Brian Ritchie, had I also I watched them talking about this in an interview like a year ago and I tried so hard to find it but I think this doesn't exist anymore for some reason so I'm kind of going off memory here from a year ago so sorry if anything is inaccurate but please if anybody knows this correct me because I need to know uh the exact details but anyway so Gordon Gano and Brian Ritchie they went to the same high school I think Victor DiLorenzo as well and uh, Gordon Gano and Brian Ritchie had the same guitar teacher in their school and the guitar teacher was like oh you guys should you know meet up you guys are both quite quite good or whatever and uh, he basically introduced them and then they were supposed to do a performance in their school for fucking assembly or something i think it was i don't know and the teacher was like okay so you're gonna play this song right and they were like yeah for sure i don't remember what the actual song was but it was like approved by teachers or whatever and they were like yeah dude for sure and then they played give me that car which is essentially about just like really wanting to fuck in your dad's car um and everybody was like oh my god like don't do that and that's you know how they started um <laughs> so fun fun little background there for you now you know how, about how the modern lovers started you know about how violent femmes started and i want to listen to more violent femmes so here is confessions by violent femmes one of my favorites enjoy
there's a good reason to be lonely, lonely, lonely. I gotta get something to somebody, something to somebody made me feel less, less, less lonely, lonely, lonely. I know I can do it, I, I know I can do it if, if, if I just wasn't so lonely, Have we got an army? We'll teach you how to act like a man. Have we got an army? Let me tell you, we can fight. Have we got an army? And we're gonna do it tonight. I learned my lessons. And I don't even want to hear about your confessions. That was pretty fun, wasn't it? I actually really enjoyed that. That was Confessions by Violent Femmes. A uh, couple things about that song that I was just thinking about as I was sitting and listening. Um, first of all, that was a really good example of how their bass is like very much audible. Uh, it really makes up for the lack of a bass drum. Uh, also, this lack of a bass drum makes me think of a skeleton. Like their music to me sounds like a rib cage, you know? Uh, and in the theme of me always saying random shit that doesn't make any sense on this show, 
their music also sounds like this like icy like baby blue um like their music just sounds like a really cold like washed out baby blue like something like a piece of clothing that was originally baby blue and then has been sitting sitting in the sun for like a little bit too long and then it also sounds like a rib cage so their music if it was a person it would like they would be very skinny i think they would be skinny and they would have really long fingers uh I think that's, you know, if Violent Femmes was a person, they would be skinny with really long fingers. That makes total sense. Uh, I think also I really like in the bridge, um, the transition from the bass riff to the kind of, I think it's a an electric guitar, but unplugged. And then the little like with the drum. It's so fun. I fucking love that song, even though it's literally like, he's literally saying, I'm so lonely, I feel like I'm going to crawl away and die. I feel like it's also, like, if he was not joking when he's saying that, like, I really hope he's feeling better about himself right now. But it's also just, like, so exaggerated that I can't help but find it a little bit funny. Like, it, like, it's, fu like it's funny, you know? Because... <laughs> like it's just so dramatic it's insane and that's really part of the appeal to me um so yeah it there what have we learned about violent fun so far i got another i got another half hour of just talking shit uh for today i'm i'm really enjoying it to be honest but they sound like yeah uh let me paint let me paint the picture they sound like a person who is very skinny sitting in a washed out baby blue shirt in a pub playing a guitar that they grabbed off the wall that's potentially missing a string you know maybe the uh the top string i i i don't know which which one that is is that e i don't know as i said i've never had guitar lessons i just chose to own one one day um so yeah that's that's what it sounds like and whatever string is at the very top that's like the deepest or you know lowest uh that's what it is that's the string that's missing uh i really like i really like them and i feel like that's also a perfect example of how gordon gano uses his voice in this weird like moaning i wrote down that if you were to compare, if you were to put Violent Femmes and Modern Lovers as two people side to side, and I know you can't see me right now, but I'm holding my hands in the little Italian gesture. They're right next to each other and I'm staring at them very intently. If Violent Femmes, if you put them next to the Modern Lovers, I think Violent Femmes would scare the Modern Lovers a little bit, but in a way that the Modern Lovers would like really want Violent Femmes approval, but Violent Femmes is just way too focused on how they're so lonely that they're going to crawl away and die to pay attention to the Modern Lovers. And then the Modern Lovers are like, wow, I really want someone that I care about. And then that song is about Violent Femmes, you know? That's the dynamic in my head. Um, and because Vi Violent Femmes is, they feel more like menacing, almost more evil, because you can hear in Gordon Gano's vocal delivery that he's kind of like singing through gritted teeth. You can also see this in his performance. He's like hardly moving, like his whole body is so tense. And then Brian Ritchie's just like throwing himself around with his fucking mullet. Um, you know, they feel more evil, even more miserable. Um, he, he sounds like, Gordon Gano sounds like he's on the brink of a destructive emotional outburst, which in a lot of the songs come out, like in Kiss Off and Confessions, which is the one that I just played. Whereas Jonathan Richmond's delivery sounds either enthusiastic, um, 
or kind of exhausted. And even when he's angry, he doesn't sound as like evil. Like he sounds kind of goofy. I think that's the best way to describe it. He also looks kind of goofy. He also looks like goofy, like the Disney character. Like look up a picture of Jonathan Richmond right now, but look at him young. He looks a little goofy. To me, he looks like he's made out of rubber. You know, like whatever Pingu was made out of, <laughs> like the old show, you know, I feel like that's what Jonathan Richmond is made out of. Like that his te- his voice sounds like that texture, whereas uh, uh, Gordon Gano's voice sounds a lot more like metallic and once again, skinny. So this again, this all makes sense um, for sure. It actually does. That's the thing. Okay, I talk a lot of shit about how what I say doesn't make any sense, but it does. And that's all I'll say about that because I want to listen to <laughs> I want to listen to To the Kill by Violent Femmes. I'm not going to fade the song in because I really like the start of it. It's really like quirky. Uh, <laughs> and you can also hear how Gordon Gano uses his voice again. He's just like he yeah, speaking through gritted teeth, he talks talk sings uh soft and then loud he you'll see what i mean here is to the kill by violent femmes
That was To The Kill by Violent Femmes. My dad texted me saying that uh, it reminded him of The Doors, which is actually kind of a like massive galaxy brain statement because I hear it too. Um, so thank you for the su- suggestion or input. Yeah, because uh, I, I hear it too. I can't quite put my finger on what it is or why. Um, I think it's... I don't really know because to be honest, I don't listen too much to the doors. There's like a couple songs that I really like. I think it's the bass. I think it's the bass, the bass riffs. Um yeah, that are really fun. And the backing vocals in like a lower not key. Key note. Again, I'm not a musical theorist. Um but yeah, massive brain take uh, thank you for that i appreciate it <laughs> i yeah i like that song that song to me sounds like a rubber band it sounds elastic uh gordon gano's voice also sounds elastic um <laughs> which i always love songs that sound like rubber bands to me um that like stretchy like texture to it it just sounds it's so cool stretchy and bouncy it just sounds like a rubber band you know, it's it's really cool. It reminds me of that movie Flubber of like with, um, oh my God, what's his name? How am I forgetting his name? Why am I thinking of Brian Cranston? That is so not who I'm thinking of. He was like so famous. Oh my God. Anyway, the movie Flubber with the little green fella. Um, oh my God. He was in also like Mrs. Doubtfire and so many movies. I'll remember. I'll remember. But yeah, uh, I like songs that remind me of that movie. Um, which honestly, the Modern Lovers and Violent Femmes do a lot. Um, but I want to listen to another Modern Lovers song and then, and then I'll go into some more intelligent statements, but I just need to, to look up also this actor's name in the process so that my brain can be put to rest. So let's listen to Dignified and Old by the Modern Lovers. Enjoy. She'd never call me. I hate myself today. But I can see through this bitterness and sadness So I won't die Someday I think I'll be dignified and old Well, my friends say I deceive myself And that I contradict myself And I can't say if they're right But I'm not ashamed I can't take a challenge And so I won't die Someday I'll be dignified Sadness, and so I won't die now. 
someday I want to be dignified and old Well now, see the desert I sit all alone in the desert And no girl understands me But I can see through this bleakness And gray and sadness And well, I won't die I know Someday we'll be a Dignified and old Together That song is so cute that was dignified and old by the modern lovers you can really see <laughs> or hear the angst in that he's like no girl understands me i sit alone in the desert you know uh but that very violent fem's angst of him saying i'm so lonely um <laughs> he says but actually one day I'll be dignified and old. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get through this, which is what was missing in Violent Femmes, which again proves why they're distant cousins. Now, let's talk into some, you know, blurring of the lines between the two. First of all, there was also a, a quote from uh, Rolling Stone talking about the Violent Femmes record saying it's a wonderfully peculiar record or sorry no talking about the Modern Lovers record but this is going to prove the point that I'm about to make it's a wonderfully peculiar record that I think will be rem remembered for its oddity and charm now the fact that I just confused that quote thinking that it was talking about Violent Femmes when in fact it was talking about the Modern Lovers proves my point that th this could be used for either one in my opinion I think they're both weird they're both odd and charming at the same time maybe charming could be a word used more for the modern lovers just because they counteract this like angst and loneliness with saying like pablo picasso was never called an asshole instead of like i'm so lonely i think we're gonna crawl away and die like you know um <laughs> but also there's there's little you know easter eggs that i found through my research where you know, there's, it's not just their similarities and the simplicity of their chords, you know, largely bar chords, downstrokes, uh, their minimalism, their stream of consciousness lyrics with their kind of off-key singing, uh, a bit weird. It's not just in this, like, technicality, I guess, but for example, Jonathan Richman drew a lot on folk rock genres. Now, remember that The Modern Lovers um, debuted about a decade before um, Violent Femmes, so maybe because Jonathan Richmond was already kind of influenced by folk rock genres, probably Violent Femmes were at least aware of the Modern Lovers, if not at least a little bit influenced by them. Um, and you can really see like the impact that the Modern Lovers had in general, especially in the new wave movement. Uh, I talked a little bit before, or I alluded to their influence on punk, but in new wave specifically, especially in this song, you can hear the type of guitar riffs that would later be used in new wave, you know, the synths and everything where in the early seventies, they were definitely still, they were definitely already used synths, but not necessarily in the way that they used it in that song um so it's really all of this just approach of like anyone can do it um that influenced punk which then later led to influence um new wave so i feel like violent femmes also because they're often grouped with a lot of like punk new wave post-punk groups 
um, they, I, I like to believe that they were somewhat influenced by the modern lovers. And I think that they potentially crossed paths because remember earlier on how I said that Jonathan Richmond, well, the modern lovers, first of all, were produced by John Cale of the Velvet Underground, but also, uh, Jonathan Richmond, uh, kind of lived on the couch of the producer of the Velvet Undergrounds, not John Cale, but I forget his exact name, but just whoever was the Velvet Undergrounds producer. Um, so, but it, it so happens that I found out that Violent Femmes are good friends with, or at least in the eighties, we're good friends with Maureen Tucker who played drums in the Velvet Underground. So, Hey, there you go. You know, some, some paths crossing. Um, I, I, <laughs> that's probably just a coincidence but it's also they had quite similar um starts i guess regardless of again their technicality and everything but you know they both really started going through growing through word of mouth both frontmen so Gorangano and jonathan richmond both uh started playing guitar in their mid-teens they were both quite popular locally so the modern lovers were really popular in uh massachusetts boston and everything and violent femmes were quite popular in wisconsin they were also popular in other places but especially in wisconsin and you know browsing reddit uh forums which <laughs> is like actually really good research because every once in a while there will be there will be someone like, uh, old man here, I can confirm that in 1983 in Wisconsin, it was actually, you know, uh, so it's scientifically proven that they actually were very popular locally, both of them, uh, and both bands, I think, uh, were quite loners in, you know, I mean, they sing about not having girlfriends and really wanting one and then talk about like not having friends and shit, uh, at least when they were in school. I think, I think, they're, I hope they're better now, you know? I hope they're <laughs> they're feeling a little bit better about themselves. Um, so that was just kind of when I, especially when I found out that kind of, uh, that Velvet Underground common ground, <laughs> uh, I, was, I got really excited because I, I felt a little bit like a detective. Um, I only have about 10 minutes left, so I did want to play this next song by Violent Femmes. Uh, because I definitely want to have time for it because it's very pretty. It's more serious. It's quite a little bit more sad. So I don't necessarily want to end on that one. Um, but it's Good Feeling by Violent Femmes. And this one, it's kind of, there's not really any jokes, but it's very pretty. I'm going crazy to see all my worlds disappear. Vague sketch of a fantasy, laughing at the sunrise like he's been up all night. Slipping and sliding 
That was quite pretty, wasn't it? That was quite pretty. Um, I really like that song. That violin, by the way, that was probably played by Gordon Gano himself. Um, I have learned that he is currently in a Violent Femmes cover band uh, where he plays violin. So there's also some fun trivia for you. We are reaching the end of the show today, which is unfortunate because I... Okay, if it wasn't clear, I think because I've played more Violent Femme songs today than Modern Lovers, even though I tried to keep a balance, I like the Violent Femmes debut album a lot more than I like the Modern Lovers debut album, for no reason other than just personal taste. I think they're both equally good. I just like Violent Femmes more. <laughs> it just feels a little bit more interesting to me. It tickles this one, it scratches this one part of my brain uh, better than the Modern Lovers does and i have been looking for the vinyl of the violent femmes debut album for i think at this point like four years um i'm absolutely losing my mind in the process every fucking record store i go to i ask they never have it the closest i have come was this random uh flea market in berlin where i asked this guy and he was like holy shit, I have one at home, but like that one's my own. Uh, but I think I have two copies. So if you come back tomorrow, uh, you can get it. And I was like, I'm fucking leaving tomorrow. So I hate my life. Um, so <laughs> also, again, if you want a birthday present for me, that 
could be a good one, but it's so rare. It's very expensive. It's like, I think like 60 euros, which that's a lot, but I continue my search. Um, I forget what I was talking about because I just get so hyper-focused on, on, uh, finding this record. I love it is my point. I love this record so much. I think it's so interesting. It really ha it's it's the perfect combination between sonically different not to sound like a douche or anything but different like textures in their sound i think they sound really rough and as i said they sound like a rib cage and like a skinny person but at the same time they sound really like smooth like a rubber band um <laughs> uh i i think it's amazing i love the the different ways in which Gordon Gaynor uses his voice. I love the prominence of the bass. I love the lack of a bass drum um, because that's something that I ha I haven't really heard that much um, because a bass drum is usually what drives the music, but they, they just fuck around so well. <laughs> um, and even though, fun fact again, the original recordings of their first album were literally put in a landfill um, because this studio, their studio, I think was being demolished or something. And they sent out a message saying, uh, you know, anyone who wants their tapes, come get it. Otherwise, it's going to be in a landfill and they didn't see it in time. So they literally don't have their original recordings. I think, I think either that or if it's for another album, but I think it's this one. Um also fun fact but it's just it's an incredible album i love it very much the modern lovers as well also really cool i think um violent femmes are my personal preference but i think it's less clear the influence that they had uh also because of later on it's it's easier to hear the influenced the the people that influenced them like what drew them to the sound that they had uh if anything i i think i can definitely hear a lot of influence grunge um, I think you know it's it, it took what punk had and kind of made it a little bit more I don't know technical I guess but also not really that's why it's hard for me to place but I definitely you know a lot of people also again on reddit thought that they were from the 90s and then they found out that they were not um so that's also quite cool. But I think the Modern Lovers, their influence is more clear. Also, partially because they had better contacts. I mean, they were fucking produced by John Cale. So, you know, a lot of people also say that while the Velvet Underground didn't sell a lot of records, everybody that did buy their record went to form a band. So, uh, you know, they weren't massive, even though, I mean, it's, fucking, it's the Velvet Underground. Yeah, everybody knows them. They weren't huge at the time, but they were very influential. And I could say probably the same for the Modern Lovers. I talked a little bit before about their influence on New Wave with the synths and their strumming style and everything. Uh, on punk, I think it's also very clear, partially because of their approach and what I mentioned before about Jonathan Richmond not having any, like, really necessarily tech technical vocal ability. Um, also, potentially the same with instruments, even though he did start playing uh, guitar as a teenager. But it's just their approach of like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it, uh, play, try, whatever. And I think that that was also the ethos of punk uh, to some extent. Obviously, there's more to it. But that's the conclusion for today. That's why they're so similar. It does go beyond sexual frustration of a 17-year-old boy. Um, I think they just have this really minimalist 
uh, quirky approach. Um, and I love them both, but unfortunately, Violent Femmes does own my heart more than The Modern Lovers. And the day, the day that I find their fucking record will be the best day of my life. I have The Modern Lovers record. I don't have the Violent Femmes record. I have their CD, but not the record. Um, I'm going to leave you with that. I am going to end the song. Or what? I'm going to end the show with a song by Violent Femmes. I'm sorry, Modern Lovers, but it must be done. I am going to end with Prove My Love by Violent Femmes. Enjoy. I love you very much. I will see you in two weeks on my birthday. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, 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 bye. Just last night I was reminded of just how bad it had gotten and just how sick I